Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Soundsington Media. Station, this is Houston. Are you ready for the event? Houston, we are ready. Reach, a space podcast for kids. This is Mission Control Houston. Please call station for a voice check. Station, this is Brian Holden and Meredith Stepien with Reach, a space podcast for kids. How do you hear us? Hello, Brian and Meredith. Welcome aboard the International Space Station. We have you loud and clear. Welcome to a very special back-to-school edition of Reach, a space podcast for kids. I'm Brian Holden. And I'm Meredith Stepien. Earlier this summer, the team at Reach was incredibly fortunate to have a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to interview the astronauts on board the International Space Station. That's right. Meredith and I spoke with NASA astronauts Megan MacArthur and Mark Vandehei as part of Expedition 65. And as a way to kick off this year's school year, we thought we'd share the entire discussion, just like it was heard live on NASA TV. Brian and I learned about current experiments aboard the ISS, what it's like to walk in space, and even had the chance to pass along some questions from you, our incredible listeners. So here it is, our downlink with our new friends Megan and Mark on the International Space Station. Yay! Enjoy! First off, Megan, let's start with a question for you. A lot of our listeners are curious about science in orbit. What experiments are you currently working on in space? Well, Brian, we just received a new cargo vehicle a couple of days ago that has a couple thousand uh, pounds of uh, new cargo that will enable new science here on Space Station. So we're just getting started on all of that. But some experiments that we have ongoing, one of which I'll be working on today, is working with a simulated regolith. So regolith is the debris that covers the surface of the moon. And if we could use that material to print... Um, materials that we could build habitats out of right on the moon, then we have to launch less resources from the Earth to the moon or even to Mars um, when we're ready to start building habitats. So this experiment will take this simulated regolith and, and print some building materials. And then on the ground, on Earth, people will be doing the same thing. And then they'll compare the structures to see, is it impacted by microgravity or can we build um, these building materials just as strong uh, with less than Earth's gravity? So if we're successful and able to do this, it will really make a difference to being able to build habitats on the moon one day, which I think is really cool. That is so cool and so exciting. Now, Mark, a question for you. In 2017, you performed two spacewalks, including one to replace a mechanism on Canadarm2 at the ISS. Could you tell us what it's like to walk in space? Yeah, sure. Two of my spacewalks were in 2017, and uh being out in space in a spacesuit is like your own personal size spacecraft, but it's almost all window in, in front of your face. So the nice thing about being on a spacewalk is that you, every direction you look, you can see incredible distances. 
But at the same time, you have a very important task to get done, which also includes making sure you stay safe. And that involves a lot of close attention to detail with what's right in front of you. So there's this, these beautiful views, kind of um, hard to get your head wrapped around the scales that you're seeing. At the same time, you've got to play very close attention to your job and make sure you stay, stay safe. So it's, it's, can, it's challenging and exhilarating. It's, it's, it's hard to, I still have a hard time expressing how it feels. That's amazing. I bet that's difficult. Uh, Megan, you have a deep background in oceanography. What are you learning about Earth's oceans while aboard the ISS? Well, Brian, as you can imagine, uh, the space station offers us a really great vantage point, a really great view of the Earth. So we like to use our own eyes as well as cameras to look at the Earth and take photos as we go by. And sometimes it's fun photos of, of places that we've lived. And other times we're able to um, to see phenomenon on Earth like big wildfires and uh, recently hurricanes. And we're able to share those photos with, with people um, back home, which I think is really valuable for people to see from that vantage point to understand the changes that are going on on our planet. But in addition to what we can see with our own eyes, the outside of the space station is also a great platform for some observing um, payloads that are ongoing, can go on for years and years. And so a recent one that's uh, recently wrapped up called HICO has taken thousands of photos of the coastal areas. And those photos are used by corporations and agencies and scientists to to make studies of, um, of water reservoirs to see, do we have um, phytoplankton, which grows in water? Um, are, there, are there harmful algal blooms that are occurring? What is the water quality? Um, and, and those photographs can help determine some of those things. Those photographs have also helped in emergency response planning, as well as even identifying um, leaks from oil pipelines. So very valuable um, resource that was made from a, a payload living here on the space station for about five years. So that's just one example of the many kinds of observations that go on aboard the space station. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Mark, can you describe for us what a typical day is like aboard the International Space Station? Sure. Uh, we have a work week, just like you all do on the ground, Monday through Friday, so I'll explain one of those days. Our scheduled wake-up is at 6 in the morning. We typically get about an hour and a half to do personal hygiene, eat breakfast, get ready for the work day, and we start to have a meeting at 7.30. Um, I like to get my exercising in right away, so ideally we get an hour and a half for resistive exercise and then another hour for cardiovascular exercise. And then the rest of the day, all the way up until 7.30, is scheduled with uh, work throughout, doing science, maintaining the spacecraft, um, doing events like this. That all concludes at around 7.30. Of course, we do get time for a lunch. 7.30, we have another meeting to wrap up, or 7.15 about, another meeting to wrap up the day. And then uh, we have some more personal time until our scheduled bedtime, which is around 9.30. Yep. Nice. Thanks for the question. Thank you for answering. And finally, Megan, any advice for young learners looking to explore a career in space exploration and maybe one day fly in space like you? Well, I think probably the best advice that I can give is you really need to be a team player. So um, flying in space is not a, a single person sport. It's something that we do as a team. So there's a team of us here on the space station that are operating the space station and doing the, the science activities. But there's an even bigger team on the ground that's keeping it all running and doing all the forward planning and prioritizing all the different tasks that we're going to do and working with scientists to enable the research up here. So this is a huge team um, to complete this effort. So if, if 
this is something that you think you want to be a part of, I would say practice your team skills. So maybe that's being on a sports team or maybe that's being on the chess club or drama club or something like that, where you're working together with other people to accomplish a goal that you probably you couldn't do on your own. So you need to learn to be a good leader because sometimes you're going to have to be in charge and tell other people what to do. But you also need to be a good follower uh, most of the time and do what other people need you to do. You help each other when it's required and you need to learn to ask for help when you need it. That is such a great answer. I love the mic tossing back and forth. It's so cool. Uh, Thank you so much for these answers. Uh, I'm going to hand it over to my co-host, Meredith Stepien, with some questions from our listener community. Whoa! Whoa! Doing a spin, doing a spin. This is so cool. I've just never seen anything like this. It's so fun. Um, All right. Thanks, Brian. And hello to Megan and Mark. As Brian mentioned, we have an incredible community of young listeners from around the world. And we thought we'd pass along a few of their questions directly from here on planet Earth. Hi, I'm Blythe from Michigan. And my question is, what is your favorite thing about being on board the ISS? Gosh, for me, the answer would be two things. One is the people I get to live and work with up here. It's like it's like the United States government went ahead and picked the best campers you could possibly find, and I got to be <laughs> one of them. So it's great being up here with my, my crewmates. And then also uh, the freedom of motion, like you just saw. I can't do a backflip on the ground one time, but I can do a triple up here. Oh, oh, backflip. <laughs> I love those socks, too. I love that. <laughs> wow. Two... Is there going to be a third? He's going for three. Wow, Mark. Unreal. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Are you okay? Awesome. (laughs) Megan, what's your favorite thing? Um, I think it's also the freedom of movement. I really like the ability to fly through the different modules. And so, you know, in the beginning, I tried to be very um, careful and was very slow moving from place to place, you know, hand to hand, making sure I didn't crash into things. But the longer that you're up here, the more confidence that you gain and you uh, the ability to judge, you know, your speed as you're coming around a corner. Um, every mm-hmm. once in a while, you miss your handrail that helps you make your turn. And that's a, a little bit of a startling moment. But it's pretty fun um, all the time. It's a great way to move around. You know, we can we can work up here on the ceiling when we need to just move up here and I can work in this environment doesn't feel any different to me than if I'm got my feet down here. So um, I love that freedom of movement. It's really it's a lot of fun. Unreal. And can I just say that your hair looks amazing. It's so cool. It's like you're forever in a music video. Hi, I'm James. Hi, I'm Charlie. And we're from Minnesota. And we want to know the best and also the worst thing about living in zero G. Well, I think the best and the most challenging thing are related. So we talk about how much freedom of movement we have. The fact that we can float and we can fly is really a lot of fun. It's definitely the best thing, but it's also the most challenging thing. So it means that all of your stuff floats all the time if you don't do something about it. And so if you look around our environment, we have Velcro squares on everything. Um, We put our stuff down on Velcro or it floats away. You put it in your pockets. I have Velcro on my pants. But every day I am doing a task and I open up a bag that it's maybe full of 30 different items and boy those yeah. items really want to come out of that bag and so they're going every which way you really got to pay attention you got to have eyes on it you're stuffing things back in the bag um, and so it's really easy to lose stuff if you're not paying attention and uh, if you get overconfident you might lose something that you need um, and so that's it's kind of a double-edged sword it's really really fun but it also can make things kind of challenging absolutely I, we all just watched mark do a juggling act and it was pretty amazing <laughs> with glasses a sharpie a headlamp unreal hi i'm madison smith from the all things madison podcast 
Thank you for continuing to push the boundaries in space. It's really important to kids like me who have big imaginations and big dreams. My question is to the astronauts. How do you stay in touch with your family and your children up in space when you're so far away? We are very fortunate. We actually have internet protocol phones, and as long as we have a satellite link to telecommunication satellites, we can go ahead and call any place on the planet, really, who has a phone to, to answer. Um, <laughs> so that's been really nice. I talk to my wife every day, and I get to talk with a video teleconference to my wife and children once a week. Oh, wow. Unreal. Hi, astronauts. My name is Olivia from Voorhees, New Jersey, and I was wondering if there is a food from home that you really miss when you're in space. Well, I love food. I love to make food. I especially love to bake and make um, baked treats. Um, so I miss all kinds of food. I think about food a lot. I really miss fresh food. I miss fresh berries, blueberries, raspberries. Um, don't get me started. I really, <laughs> I could really talk all day. Um, a cheeseburger, you know, lots and lots of things. But we have a wonderful team on the ground that works really hard to create a varied menu for us. And the food is, you know, it's um, dehydrated or it's been um, heat treated to, to be shelf stable. Um, but we have a big variety. And then when we we receive a cargo vehicle like we did this week. We do get little bits of fresh food. So we'll we'll take one single apple and we'll slice it up into seven pieces so everybody gets a bite so that we can all savor it. So we've really learned, I think, to savor those special fresh foods that come only once in a while. Oh my mm. gosh, that's so fun. Mark, do you have a favorite food that you miss? Avocados. In fact, after my last flight, the uh the team on the ground went ahead and flew avocados to Kazakhstan. The flight doctor ripened them in her in her hotel room. And then when I was on the plane back, I had vegetable chips from my wife with guacamole, which was amazing. Oh, Yum. That is so thoughtful. Hi, I'm Bella from Michigan. And my question is, how long can you go outside the space station on a spacewalk before you have to come back in? That's a great question. So as Mark referred to earlier, when you're in a spacesuit, it's kind of like having your own uh, little spaceship. And so all of the resources that you need, you need to have with you. So you need to have power for the suit. You need to have the ability to have clean, breathable air, and you need to be able to cool and heat your body to, so that you stay comfortable. Um, those are kind of a, an overview of the things that you need. You also have some water in the spacesuit. You don't actually have any food. So people usually eat a pretty, pretty big breakfast before they get started. Um, but so to answer your question, we usually plan a spacewalk for about six and a half hours and your ability to stay out longer is based on what your consumables look like. So again, we talked about your air, water, and power. So we have batteries. We can monitor how much battery life is remaining. We have the ability to keep the air clean, uh, scrub out the carbon dioxide, and we can monitor how much of that capability is remaining for two examples. So usually spacewalks are about six and a half hours, but they can go up to about seven and a half, seven and a half hours if we need a little bit of extra time to complete a task if like a bolt isn't turning when it's supposed to or connectors aren't working quite right, we can stay out a little bit longer if needed. Amazing. Okay, I think we have time for our final question, which is from Andrea in El Paso, Texas. And they want to know, why is it important to train to go to space? Gosh, it's important to train to go to space because we are in the middle of an environment that's not conducive to human existence. Right outside the spacecraft is a vacuum, and we wouldn't survive very long outside there if it wasn't for all the resources that Megan mentioned in a spacesuit if you're doing an EVA, or that we have taking care of us inside the space station right now. And because of that, we have to train for what happens if something goes wrong, because it's really important that we can fix things. Uh, but we also have, there's lots of science. We get exposed to science experiments and, and how to operate these, these uh, pieces of equipment. We get exposed to the systems on the space station, how to maintain those things. It's so, honestly, one of the thing, really fun things about being an astronaut is the breadth 
of things you have to get trained on because it's all the things you would do in a lab plus having to do to keep the keep uh, the life support systems running, for example. Yeah, that makes sense. And I'm just looking with my eyes. There are a lot of buttons you have to learn. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that alone would take forever. And I see some balloons back there, too, I think. I don't know if you guys were having a party or what. <laughs> Parties on the space station. <laughs> yep, you have a good eye. I had a birthday on Monday. Happy hey, birthday! happy birthday! Oh my gosh, a birthday party in space is so fun! Well, on that note... Yes, we have run out of time. Okay, so that is our time today for this out-of-this-world conversation with NASA astronauts Megan MacArthur and Mark Vandehei on the International Space Station. And on behalf of everyone here at REACH and everyone here on planet Earth, thank you so much, Megan and Mark, and enjoy the rest of your day in orbit! Wow, Brian, I still can't believe we got to talk to the International Space Station. I know. Thinking back, I think my favorite part of the experience was when you started getting silly and you complimented Megan's hair as it was floating around. And we saw that, like, they were laughing at the stuff you were saying. That was really great. What about you? What was your favorite part? I just really liked when they first logged on and all of a sudden we were looking at people in space. That was wild. It was like the best Zoom call ever. Yes! Now we hope you enjoyed this as much as we did. Thanks so much for joining us for this very special back-to-school edition of Reach, a space podcast for kids. We're your hosts, Meredith Stepien and Brian Holden. This episode of Reach was written by Sandy Marshall with Nate DeFort, Meredith Stepien, and Brian Holden. Stay tuned for our next season of Reach. Season 3. Coming this October. Reach is produced by Nate DeFort and Sandy Marshall, who's a solar system ambassador for NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory, and edited by Nate DeFort. Our theme song and additional music was composed by Jesse Case. And our logo was created by Stephen Lyons. We'd like to offer a galactic thanks to NASA astronauts Megan MacArthur and Mark Vandehei on board the International Space Station. Go, Megan and Mark! You can follow Megan via at astro underscore Megan, M-E-G-A-N, and Mark at astro underscore Sabot, or S-A-B-O-T. And check our show notes for lots of cool resources about the ISS. Along with recent stories and features from publications around the world. We'd also like to offer a very special thanks to Victoria Ogalde and Rodrigo Mireles at NASA's Johnson Space Center, Kay Ferrari and Calla Cofield at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory, and to all the teams at NASA's JSC and the Astronaut Office for making this event a possibility. And as always, a big thanks to the REACH Learning Community for all of your contributions. Thanks to Blythe, James, Charlie, May, Bella, Andrea, Madison, and Olivia. You can check out Madison's podcast, All Things Madison, and Olivia's show, Curious Kid Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Got a question about space? Get your parents' permission and give us a call at 312-248-3402. Leave us a message with your first name, where you're from, and a question for a chance to be featured in an upcoming episode. We can also accept your questions via email. Just send us your first name, where you're from, and what question you'd like answered to reachthepodcast at gmail.com. 
And if you'd like to find us online, visit at ReachThePodcast on Twitter and Instagram or on our website at ReachThePodcast.com. As always, we want to acknowledge that not everyone has access to computers or the internet. And if you're not able to get online, many local libraries offer publicly available internet access. Reach is a production of Soundsington Media, committed to making quality programming for young audiences and the young at heart. For more information on our shows and the people behind them, go to soundsingtonmedia.com. We've all been there. You're standing in a museum, staring at a painting, and all you can think is, I don't get it. To me, knowing the story behind an artwork is a huge part of knowing how to look at it. I'm Amanda, the host of the Art of History podcast, where we view history through the lens of some really great works of art. Each episode, we dive deep into the bigger picture behind some familiar and maybe not so familiar pieces. Check out Art of History now wherever you get your podcasts.